Praise the Lord. Why don't you open your Bible at Psalm 37. I want to share a message called The Steps of a Good Man. The Steps of a Good Man. The Steps of a Good Man. A lot of people believe in fate. You know, well, you know, stuff will work out. And, uh, or chance. You know, you only have to look at the people going down there buying uh, the, the lotto tickets to see how many believe in chance <laughs> or in luck. But as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, there's something that we need to understand about God's uh, way of, of, of helping us. And I want you to look with me in Psalm 37, and uh, here it is in verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. God has planned out your life. He has a plan. He has not just left your life to chance. It's like you're not just an accident that arrived. If you're just an accident that arrived because of evolution, then you've got a real problem with life. It's just full of uncertainties. But if we have come into this world at the hand of a master who not only designed us, but designed something for us, a purpose for our life, what a confidence you and I can have about the life we live. We don't have to live wondering about what's going to happen next. We don't have to live in fear, uncertainty, and anxiety we can live with incredible confidence because the Bible's very clear, the steps of a good man. The word good there means someone who's a valiant person, a champion. You say, well, I don't qualify. It also means any person. So that means any person who has come to relationship with God, you need to know this, that your steps have been ordered carefully by God. That word order means to set up, to prepare them, to direct them, to plan them so you would prosper. So you and I need to realize every day that you get up that today God has ordered your day, your steps, so you would advance. And not only that, it says God delights in that. He takes huge pleasure in working your circumstances to get good out of it. So no matter what happens, you can't lose when you've got God helping you like that. How can you lose? You may have a failure or mistake or something goes wrong on the way, but if it's true that the Lord orders my steps, plans them, sets them in place, prepares them, directs me, I can't lose in life. Neither can you. But I've got to believe that. It's not just a matter of knowing about it. You and I need to believe that each day of our lives our steps are being ordered by law. And I'm going to share with you a few simple things related to that. Here's a, here's a, here's a, here's a couple of things. Related. In Psalm 16, verse 9, it says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So you make plans, and we can have all kinds of plans. We've set out and dreams of that, and it's right to do that. We need to plan. We need to lay out things that we're believing for. We need to lay out our dreams. But the problem with this is you can never know what's going to happen. You don't know how it's going to work out. And I've seen so many plans that people have, these all fell apart. But here's the thing, that even though we make our plans and that's our part in it all, God will direct our steps if we meet our part in it. He wants to direct you. In other words, to God, I was interested in Joe because we've been watching Joe's journey for a little while and, and she's been walking through this process of thinking about study and finally come to make up her mind she wanted to do the study and, and uh, then enrolled and then was walking down that path. So she had a plan and a dream that God just redirected her. 
And so now she'll prosper. She'll end up much better now because of being redirected by God than she would have before if she just followed the plan. And so one of the problems with making plans is so many things are unforeseen. We can plan for everything possible, but stuff happens. How many know stuff happens? How many know stuff? How many have had your plans fall over one time or another? <laughs> Even though it was a great plan. Get all figured. Then it fell over. Now a lot of people come to the, the, the altar to get married. They have this great plan for their life, but it doesn't always work out like that. But the Bible is very clear that the steps of a good man are ordered by God. He will actually use everything for our benefit. I want to just show you a couple of things on this. Here's the first thing we need to say. When we think of this, uh, a man's steps or the steps of a good man, we think like this. We think this way. Well, my next step is I will go and get some lunch and go to the beach. And tomorrow, my step then will be to go to work. And then next week, I, my next step will be to do this. And so that's what we think. Now, God has left the steps of your life up to you. You choose what you do. God, although He's planned for our life, has a purpose for our life and has detailed what He wants, He leaves much of it to us to work out. He hasn't made you a clone. He hasn't made you to be uh, someone who is a robot, just gets told what to do. He's put within us free will to make decisions. We need to make decisions. So when we say, uh, my next step is to do this, well, I'll step here, I'll go to the beach, and we'll have some lunch at the beach. But when the Bible says the steps of a man are ordered by the Lord, God's steps are different. God's not thinking about whether you go to the beach next or whether you go town next, or whether you go shopping, or what you buy. He's not, those things are not the things that he's concerned about. The steps that God is looking for are different kind of steps. They are steps, they are steps that will bring you from strength to strength. God wants to take you from one level of strength to another, so you can work out the details of your life, but in the midst of it, God is wanting you to take from strength to strength, so you grow. And not only that, He wants to take you from faith to faith. So God is not worried about how you work out your life. He's committed to help you and order it so within those things you plan that work out and some things don't work out, His plan is to take you from strength to strength, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. That's what He plans to do. So we partner with God and we do so much to plan our life, but God puts His hand upon our life and His desire is to use everything. Whether you make a mistake or not, God can still get you from strength to strength. If you fail, it doesn't really matter because God can still get you from faith to faith. And if you fall over completely, it doesn't really matter because God can still get you from one glory to another. That's what He wants to do. He is wanting to lift our life to new levels. Because His plan for our life involves formation of Christ in us and His Son, His life being reflected in the earth. And there's heaps of ways that can be done. That's why a lot of Christians get stuck trying to find the right way. Now, you've got to realize this, that in God there are many ways to get you to where He wants to get you. And even if you went this way and you were going right off path, He's still got a way to get that path to get you to where He wants so when we know that God is directing our steps to the fulfillment of His purpose, which is a great purpose, it brings a lot of stress out of life. You can start to relax 
Today, God is turning my mistakes into opportunities to learn. He's turning my failures into growth and grace. He's turning everything into opportunity to become another level. Today is a great day for me. I can't lose. I, see, I can see this, the trouble you have, you say, because we look at life and think there's all this crazy stuff goes on and I make my plans, it doesn't work out, I pray and that doesn't seem to work. And we, we kind of get into a, a frame of mind where we actually are in unbelief. And so we cruise our day rather than engaging God in our day and believing for things to come that will be good. So even the things that look like they weren't going to work out for you seem to work out for good when there's faith in your heart. So we need to believe that my steps are ordered by the Lord. Every one of them. So what if I make a mistake? Well, isn't that great? I'm glad you asked because God's provided for all mistakes as well at the cross. Mistakes are not faithful in God. Failures are not fatal. Just giving up is. Just giving up. So notice this is God is constantly giving opportunity every day to make decisions to go from strength to strength, grace to grace, faith to faith, glory to glory. Every day you've got a chance to grow. Every day. So there must be a part in that. I love this. I, I, this is a fantastic thing to know that my life is planned and ordered by God. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. They're planned, they're guided, they're directed. Even though I try and make my plans, it's not in me to actually direct my steps, that God will direct my path. And you know something? If I'd followed my plans, I would not be here. I wouldn't be. I'd be up there in a boat fishing off Walkworth. That's where I'd be. Somehow he directed my path. I don't know how I ended up here somehow. But it was... It's God orders our steps when we put our life in His hands. That's why we'll start the day praying and putting your life in God's hands and believing that God will order your day, that things will work together. Even things don't look like they are, He can work them together. So there's always some part we play. And I want to share with you just five simple things or key decisions you can make every day, key decisions you can make at any time. And every one of these decisions will help ensure that your steps are ordered by the Lord. God orders them, but we have to cooperate. There's a part we play in it, otherwise it doesn't seem to work out. So God will do his best, but we've got to do our part. So here's a notice here in Psalm 37. And we look down here in verse uh, 30, where, 31, I think it is. Here it is. The law of God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. How about that? When the law of God is in your heart, none of the steps you take will cause you to end up in a mess. When you've got the law or the word of God in your heart. So this is a tremendous promise. When God's words are kept in my heart, I have a promise from God, an undertaking from God, that I won't backslide, I won't fall away, I won't be offended, I won't actually uh, depart from God's way. The key to keeping in God's way, one of them is to get God's word in my heart. The law of God is in my heart, my steps won't slide. I won't fall over like others have because I hold on to the word of God. You think what it says? It says, they that love your word, nothing shall offend them. Now you think of all the people who have been offended that you know of. One thing I can tell you for sure, they didn't love the word of God. Well, they'd have seen that God could work that situation for good for them. That it was an opportunity to grow. But they chose 
not to hold on to what God had to say. So one of the most powerful things you and I can do to ensure our feet don't slide, that we don't fall away, that we don't end up in messes in life consistently, is to make it a practice to put God's Word in our heart. So one of your first keys to ensuring that our, our, our lives go from strength to strength, glory to glory, is that I make it the practice of putting God's Word in my heart and holding on to the Word of God through meditation. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, as Joshua was about to undertake this biggest undertaking, God spoke into his heart personally. Don't be afraid. Don't be disheartened. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. But be strong and good courage. He said, do this. Meditate in the law of the Lord day and night. Now, next term, we have a tremendous program we want to run right through the church. Guess what it'll be about? It'll be about getting the Word of God in your heart. Now, you say, well, I know the Word of God. No, 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 this is about getting the Word of God in your heart. We're going to share with you over, over a, a series and small groups uh, five different ways that you can get the Word of God in your heart, how to plant the Word of God in your heart. And the Word of God will produce a fruit in your life. When we get God's Word in our heart, our lives begin to change. Here's the promise. Meditate in the law of the Lord day and night. If I learn how to meditate, to picture God's Word so that my heart embraces the Word of God, I won't slip and slide. I'll actually stay on course. My wonderful promise. Wonderful promise. Meditate in the law of the Lord. And uh, so Joshua did that. Every day he spent time thinking, dreaming, alone with God, meditating in the Word of God. And this is what it promises. You will make your way prosperous. You will make your way prosperous. In other words, if you will put God's Word in your heart and hold it, it'll start to talk to you through the day. It'll start to correct you. It'll give you insight. It'll give you some wisdom. It'll start to make sure you don't make dumb decisions. The more we get the Word of God in our heart, the less prone we are to dumb decisions. A lot of people today are lived by their, they live by their feelings. We love to come to church. It's a great energy, great feeling. That's good, but you can't live off it. You have to live by daily engaging God, letting the Word of God come in your heart, and then letting God's Word start to speak to you. You'd avoid a lot of silly mistakes if we did that. So there it is. Second thing is, it's found in Psalm 27. Psalm 27. And you'll find that for every one of these keys I give, there's someone in the Bible, is evidence they practiced it. Joshua obviously practiced this. That's what God said. Joshua, you got this huge challenge. It's really, really big. But here's the deal. You meditate in the Word of God, practice applying the Word of God to your life. You'll, it'll all work out okay. You'll be fine. I'll order your steps. Everything will come out right. Now, here's the second thing is in Psalm 27 verse 13. Here it is here. I love this verse. Oh, I would have fainted unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So the second thing is that you and I must expect good things from God daily. Expect good from God daily. I would have fainted. I'd have quit and given up. The Bible says if you faint in the day of adversity, you haven't got much strength in you. So faint means you quit and give up and fall over and you pass out. Someone's got to lay hands on you, revive you again. See? If you faint or if you give up, Jesus said pray and don't faint. So in other words, fainting, we know what it's like to have a faint. People get faint, they get a bit dizzy, and then they fall over. Whoosh, down they go. And they're unconscious. They're out to it. Their steps are failed. But the Bible's very clear. If I believe to see the good, I, I must choose to believe God is going to be good to me today. I need to believe in the goodness of God, that God is always good. 
Uh, he's good when I've fa failed. He's good when I haven't done so well. He's good when I've made mistakes. He's, God does not change because my life changes or your life changes. God is good all the time. And so I need to believe that I will see His goodness in my life. Now, most people believe that God will do a miracle. God, most people, believers, will be, will, uh, Christians, would believe that God will do some miracles somewhere. The dilemma is believing for me today. That today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice in today. God has good things for me today. I'm believing for good things to come into my life. So you and I need to make a decision. Faith is not some big feeling. It is a decision. It's a choice you make. Choice to believe in the Word of God. Now, it will show up a couple of ways. Look at this one in Habakkuk. In Habakkuk 3, verse 17 and 18, he starts off by going like this. Though the fig tree does not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vine. In other words, it's not like harvest time here in the bay. He's saying it's a winter time around me. Everything around me is barren. There's no sign of life, no sign of hope. Everything looks bleak. You've never seen the bay in the wintertime when all the trees have lost everything. The vines have all been pruned right back. They don't look like, look, look, look like now. They look beautiful now. But in the wintertime, they look like something else. And he's saying something like this. No matter what the circumstances are around me, yet will I rejoice in the Lord my God. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now, that would be a good decision for you to make, wouldn't it? It's a choice to believe that no matter what it looks like, God is still good. He's working things on my behalf. And that's why you can come into church and praise the Lord. See, it's never a sacrifice of praise if life's going well. It's a sacrifice when things aren't going well and you still come and you say, I'm going to be there on time. I'm going to turn up for my appointment with God and I will praise them when they start up on that first song. I'll leap up to my feet and begin to clap and I will enter and praise the Lord. Though the fig tree does not blossom and there be no fruit on any vineyards around me, yet will I rejoice in the Lord my God. Now that's going to do your day good. That will unlock the blessings of God for sure. That will bring good things into your life. So Habakkuk did that. It's an interesting thing. It tells us in, uh, in um, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13 it says, we have the same spirit of faith because we believe and therefore we speak. Now, if I get around you for a little while, I can really quite easily tell if there's a spirit of faith around your life. It always shows up in how you talk. God is good. God is doing good things today. Oh, you know, we've got this difficulty and whatever, but you know, God is going to come through for us. We're just looking to see what will happen. See, New Zealanders tend to get very negative. So you get around Kiwis, you find often they complain. And when they're complaining, they're not in faith. Complaining means you become a victim and you're in unbelief. And unbelief will not allow you to enter God's blessings. I have to choose that no matter what is happening around me, yet will I rejoice in the Lord and choose to believe God will be good to me. Because it's His nature to be good. So today God's goodness is flowing to me. You know, one of the things I pray almost daily, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I pray that so often. And I picture God's goodness, His mercies when I make mistakes, and just blessings flowing all the rest of the time. Say, surely that's going to happen. Surely. Surely. Surely goodness. 
So if surely goodness is going to follow me, why would I be complaining about what inconvenient things are happening at the moment? You say, oh, well, you don't understand how serious it is. Of course I do. But it doesn't matter. I can still believe in the goodness of the Lord. See, you have to believe to see. Most people don't believe. They believe in their problems. They believe in their feelings. They believe in their circumstances. They believe what the news is telling them. They believe what they got on the internet. They believe all kinds of things. But do you believe to see God's goodness in your life? Today. Today. God's goodness. Today. See, it's a choice to believe. Here's the third thing. Build relationships with people of faith. See, build relationships with people of faith. See, if we're going to walk in the blessing of God and see His favor, He's there willing to do it. We've got to just position ourselves right. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at this. Remember, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. But I can make choices that actually help this thing out immensely. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18, that's what it says here. Uh, Titus, did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? So what he's saying is that Paul and Titus flowed together. They walked in the same spirit. In other words, they had a like faith towards God. They had a, they had a similar heart towards the things of God. Now, not everyone has the same spirit. You'll find, you get with some people, some people have got a complaining spirit. Some people have got quite a negative spirit. Some people have got quite a depressing spirit. Some people have got what I think is a vampire spirit because when you get with them, you feel all the life sucked out of you. You think, God, I've got to get away quickly. Come on, think about that. Some people, you get near them and you feel very gloomy and depressed afterwards. Some people are very angry. So you get near them and you start to feel agitated about injustice. See, so we have to choose who to fellowship with. Here's an interesting thing. We walk in the same steps. So find people of like faith. Get in a group where you can mix with people who are committed to study the Word of God, pray together, worship together, and have your faith built. We need others to help us and to strengthen our faith. Look at this in Psalm 101. you love this verse here. This is David, one of the great men of God. But when you read the Psalms, you find out things that David did that a lot of people don't do. Here's something he did, Psalm 101. Psalm 101. And here it is, and he said, uh, <clears throat> verse 5, 6, and 7. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him will I destroy. The one whose haughty look and a proud heart I will not endure. He says, my eyes shall be on the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He walks in a mature or perfect way. He shall serve me. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Isn't that amazing? So what David's just saying is very simply this. I'm very careful about who I make my friends. I'm very careful about who I join myself to. I'm very careful about who I let influence me. We should be more careful about who we share our life with and open our heart to, who we fellowship with and build friendships with. Now, we, we need to build friendships with unsaved people. We need to build friendships with people. But you've got to also guard that if a person is negative and they've got destructive patterns in their life, it can steal and erode your faith very easily. Sometimes you've got to put a stop to it. You hear someone being critical and bagging the church or bagging leaders or bagging God or whatever. You've got to stop it or walk from it. But don't stay with it or erode your energy. If you want to find 
good companions, you won't find them usually in the pub. You usually find them in a place where good people are. Well, you have to think about this, that all of us need friends. And David said, I won't let people who have got a proud, arrogant heart, who are deceitful and who run down people, I'm not going to let them be near to me. I'm not going to let them be near to me. You ever think about that? How many people you tolerate in your world who are quite critical and negative and you never rise up and tell them, stop that. Just stop that. You're not going to run down anyone in my presence. Just stop it. Uh, that would do a lot of good. It would help the church a lot. Because people kind of get stuck on the negative groove. That our steps are ordered by the Lord. Uh, we delight in the Lord and He delights in us. Here's a great scripture just related. Here's a great example. And look at this. Now you see, noticing what David said, now look at this. And you'll see what happens when you build some good friends. When you build people who aren't negative, who are, who are quite positive. 1 Samuel 23, and David was in a deep trouble. He's, he's out there and he's a wanted fugitive and no one's his friend and he can't trust anyone. And in the midst of it all, then verse 16, uh, Jonathan, Saul's son, arose went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God and said, Don't fear, for the hand of Saul, your fa my father, shall not find you. You will be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. And the two of them made covenant before the Lord. Now that's a friend. Notice what Jonathan did. Jonathan arose when he saw his friend was in distress. And then he went to his friend. He took the initiative to go to David in a time of discouragement, and he strengthened his hand to God. He just didn't tell him, Cheer up, it's going to be okay. Don't worry, you get over it. That doesn't work. He strengthened his hand in God. How did he strengthen his hand in God? Very simple, in three ways. Number one, he addressed the issue of fear in David's life. David was frightened. You know, when people are in hiding and people withdraw, often there's fear or offense or something is wrong. Something has affected them. That's why they're in that place of withdrawal. The first thing he did was address the fear. Don't be afraid. And the second thing he did was he reinforced the promise of God to David. You will be king of Israel. He got him focused back on the words of God. He got him focused back on the prophetic word that had been put over his life. He got him focused back on what God was saying. Oh, for friends that could come and get alongside you and say, now don't be afraid. Don't let that fear grip your heart. Remember what God spoke to you prophetically? I was in that house group. I was in that meeting when God spoke this to you. It will be as God said. Now that's good courage. And now the next thing he said, and I'll be with you. So the third thing he did was he come alongside him to stand with him. That's a really good move of a friend. Turn to some time I need a friend like that. Well, you have to make friends like that. <laughs> you make them. See? So, so build relationships. When you build relationships, it's absolutely certain you're positioning yourself with men who are walking the same way, and this helps your steps become ordered much more easily. They come into line with God's plan. Think about that. Here's the last couple then. Uh, in 1 Peter 2, verse 21, again on steps, 1 Peter 2, look at this. It says, now you may not like this one. We don't always like this one, but however there in the Bible, so we can't get rid of it, can we? Scratch it out, perhaps. 1 Timothy 2, verse 20. Uh, let's see if I can find it. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. No, I'm on 2 Peter. That's why I can't find it, you see. So it's 1 Peter 2. 
Okay, let's see if I can find it. Verse 10. Now, for this were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving an example we should follow his steps. Well, that's an interesting scripture, isn't it? That we should follow Jesus' steps. Not follow the crowd, not follow everyone else, but make Jesus the center of focus of your personal life and follow his steps. And here's the interesting thing is, he suffered. Now, how did he suffer? He suffered doing what God wanted him to do. So when it says, follow his steps, it doesn't say, choose to have a life of suffering. It's not saying that at all. It's saying, do what Jesus did. He said, I do the things I see the Father doing. I, I, I only move in the things the Father has for me. In other words, he's saying this. He's saying, I have chosen to live my life centered on the kingdom of God. And now the Bible says, because of that, you suffer a bit. You have some problems. You choose to be honest, you'll have some problems with dishonest people. You choose to be pure, you'll have some promise with some unclean people. You choose uh, to give uh, alcohol or stop being drunk or anything like that, you'll have some tr troubles with drunk people. Listen, there is part of walking with God, there is a price to pay. There is some suffering goes with it. It's inevitable. When you step up and you say, I have a dream in my heart that God has given me and going to fulfill it, there will be some problems. So the suffering he's talking about there is, is simply endure with a great attitude any difficulty that comes from walking with the Lord. So if you're walking with the Lord and you have some difficulties come because of that, have a great attitude, have a positive attitude, endure it with a great positive, joyful attitude. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Just laughed at the shame. I despise the shame. I despise that shame. I'm not going to let shame rule my life. I refuse shame. I refuse to let shame come on me because ahead of me is great glory seeing people come into the kingdom. See, following the steps of Jesus, he was set on bringing people into the kingdom. Isn't that a great thing to do, eh? Follow the steps. And there's some challenges in doing that. But if we're going to walk with God and see him guide and direct us, I tell you, one of the things you'll be doing, he'll be directing you to follow Jesus. He'll be directing you to follow Jesus' steps. Uh, Joseph's a great example of that. Joseph went through great troubles and difficulties because he chose to follow the dream of his heart. But he, and he went into prison and had all this. Now, here's the thing about Joseph. Okay? He had this dream. Guys, i got to tell you, i got a dream. And they hated him. Look, I got this fancy coat from my father who also was believing in my dream. And they hated him even more. They put him in a, in a, in a, in a pit. Oh, great, I can see opportunities here. They sent him down to Egypt. Great, there's good things can happen here too. And you'll notice an interesting thing about Joseph, that it didn't matter where he went, he always came to the top. They put him among the slaves. Great, here's my chance to get ahead. And so by the time the slave train got to Egypt, he's at the top of the list. And so he gets the prime pick, and he goes to part of his house. And what happens in part of his house? Oh, great, here's my chance to get ahead. And so God will bless me. But what happens? He rises up to the top there as well. Soon part of his wife comes and said, remember how the master said you could have everything in the house? I'm in the house. <laughs> so we, we see then the whole, and he refused to do that. And he, he then ends up in jail. But in jail, he still came up to the top. And then when he gets finally to the top and he's promoted to, to next to the prime minister, and then he begins to see what God's steps were all about. 
he never conceived in the initial stages how the dream of God would work out. It wasn't until later when he met his brothers he saw this is what, oh, glory to God, this is what God was trying to do. You don't always see what God is doing on the way. In fact, the journey is a journey of faith, so you don't need to see about one step ahead. But if we can trust God, oh, we will see the goodness of God. So whatever happens now, this is a tough time. I'll rejoice in the Lord. I'll expect to see the goodness of the Lord. Oh, that's what God was doing. He was trying to show me an attitude in my heart needed changing. Oh, okay, I'll change. Come on, think about this. Whatever you're facing right now, God is ordering your steps to get you up to another level and make you stronger. You say, but you don't understand. I'm so weak, I fall over. Nevertheless, this is the time to engage God's strength and grow. You say, well, well, you know, I'm at the lowest I've ever been. Oh, this is the time to enlarge your faith and come up another level. Everything is an opportunity when we look to God ordering our steps. Here's the last one. Psalm 37, go back to it again, finish with the last verse, where, we're, where we started. Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. So here's the last point. And his steps ordered by the Lord, get up again. Get up again. I was, I, I'm pondering whether to share this, but it was funny at the time, and it's still funny to me now. I got the giggles when I was thinking about it. But we were, Joe and I were at Rotorua, and we went there some years ago, and we went to just enjoy and relax at the lake. And so we sat down by the lake, and it was a sunny day, a summer day, and it was very, very nice. And, and we were just sitting down there under the, under the trees thinking, this is quiet and peaceful now, and we can just enjoy being together. And then this van turned up. In fact, there were a couple of vans turned up, and they were full of people, and they were people uh, who were somewhat disabled mentally. And uh, so... They, they all turned up there and they came out and they're all sort of doing what they do. And uh, so anyway, I better be careful here. I know. But anyway, one of them walked towards us and I said to Joy, oh, look at that. And he tripped and fell. Doof! He went straight down onto the sand. Now, that wasn't so far away. That's funny when people fall over like that. You get the giggles. And, but what was even funnier was he stayed there. And he just stayed there with his face in the sand and wouldn't get up. I looked at that and I nearly had hysterics. He's just lying down there. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> he hadn't hurt himself. He's just lying down there, face down in there. Until one of the people who were with him come and said, Come on, get up, get up, get up, get up. And took his hand and got him up and got him back up and got him going again. He was fine again, like nothing had happened. There's the point. Don't stay down on your face if you fell over. Like someone who hasn't quite got it all there. <laughs> get up again. Just get up again. Why? Because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and although he falls. So that means some falls are going to take place. Although he falls, although he falls flat on his face. He said he won't stay there because God will get him and lift him back up and get him back on the journey again because God's interested in you completing your journey. So you may think, well, I've really goofed up, really blown it, really done so much, and you're there lying on your face. Why do you stay there? Get back. Unless you're making steps, you can't go anywhere. You can't stay down there in yesterday's failure. You can't stay down there in yesterday's mistakes. You can't stay down there in the things you did wrong or people said you did wrong. Get back up again. 
be the comeback kid. Here, I'm back again. Boof, you get knocked over and you're down for a little while. <laughs> hey, I'm back again. How did I get back again? I don't know. I reached out. I believed that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And if I fell over, God will uphold me. And sure enough, he got me back up and I'm back again like nothing happened. Now, listen, that's the story of my life. You've got to make comebacks. You've got to be able to get back up when you get beaten down again. It's true. Get back up again. Don't just lie there on your face like some victim. What next? Here I am down here on my face in the sand. How did I get here? I don't know. But you don't have to stay there. I'm glad that young man had someone next to him say, get up, get up, get up, get him. Took his hand, got him up. And that's exactly what God does. He said, get up, get up, get up. God, get up. And I felt today in the church there are many people need to get back up again. I think there's a number of people here who fell over on their face. Boof! Maybe someone tripped you. Could well have been. It's called an offense. Well, so offense is a stumbling block, you know, and so when someone puts their foot out, just hoik, over you go and you're flat on your face. You were doing well until they tripped you up. Get up! Let it go. Forgive. Get up. Get up. At the steps of a good man are all the way. God is wanting to bring you into enlargement. Sure, someone tripped you up. Maybe you tripped yourself up. Whee! Over you went. Who knows? It happens often. How many know about that? But your steps are ordered by God. Your steps are ordered by God. They just need to choose to make some great decisions to align with that fact. It is a fact God is ordering your life, but you can cooperate with it or resist it and fight it all the way. I can cooperate with God by meditating in his word and my steps won't slide. David said in Psalm 73, he said, you know, I was looking with envy at the unsaved. How many of you done that? Huh? Look around at unsaved people and say, you've got an easier life than I have. It's hard being a Christian. And then he said, and my feet nearly slipped. Doesn't do you any good to look around other people get envious. Your feet will slip. Eh? So meditate in the Word of God. Make a decision every day. I'm going to choose to believe that God's got good things for me today. Every day I'll declare it. I'll speak it. And I'll have the spirit of faith. I'm going to start to go through my people I connect with and start to look where I'm connected. And if I haven't got connections that are faith people, that'll support, that'll stand, that'll get me into the Word of God, encourage me, and, and come to me. And, and you, here's a funny thing. You know, if I have a toothache, which I do, I've got to go to the dentist. But they rang me, I rang them up. I said, I've got a problem. And so I went to the dentist. I never waited for him to ring me. I had to go to the doctor. I rang the doctor. I said, I'm not well. Can I come and see you? He said, of course, come and see me. When I needed help with my accounts, I rang Brian and said, Brian, can I come and see you? But in church, people don't do that. I said, I think I'll wait and see if anyone notices how sick I am. <laughs> what kind of nonsense is that? It's just, it's irresponsibility. Total irresponsibility. You know what? Probably no one will notice. That's the problem. And then you'll get very angry. No one noticed. First I have the problem, now no one notices. Even getting worse. Get in a small group, form relationships, make connections. So anytime something's happening, someone always notices. And not only that, they come up to you and say, hey, how are you doing? I notice you don't look yourself today. You have to make decisions to build those relationships. Finally, make a decision that I'm going to follow Jesus. I'll make him my example, not someone else. Who's, I follow his faith. It'll cost me a bit, but I'm following him. I'm walking in his steps. And finally, just get up again. Get up again. Just close your eyes. I just wonder before I just uh, have the final altar call, I wonder if any person here doesn't know Jesus yet. You've never come to know Jesus as your Savior. 
It'd be a great day for you to come to know him. You know, he, he came into this earth to deal with the issue of sin that keeps you disconnected from God. He wants you to be connected with heaven itself. He wants you to have a purpose for living and a cause to live for, to help him change this world. Now listen, friend, it starts with the first decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You may have come to church, but coming to church doesn't make you Christian. Putting your trust personally in Christ and making him your Savior, trusting him to do the work in your life, now that's where it starts. I wonder today, is there any person right at that place of decision-making to receive Jesus? Would you raise your hand right now? Just let me know. I'd love to just pray with you and lead you to Jesus today. Is there anyone here today right at that place? This is your day to receive the Lord. To receive the Lord, become connected to God. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God will order your way. In fact, he's already ordered you to get you here. Think about that. Are you ready? Is there any person who's make that decision? I want to just, while our eyes are closed, how many people, when I start to talk about falling flat on your face, you're saying, oh, dear God, that's me. And you started to laugh, but actually it was you inside. And if that's you today, and you say, God's just speaking to you today to get up. Why don't you raise your hand right now? Just raise your hand. God, tell me to get back up again. Get back up again. Praise the Lord. Some of you saying that God's been speaking to you about meditating in the Word of God. Just raise your hand. If the God spoke to you about that, starting to get his Word into your heart, God bless. Many hands on that area. God, you're going to be delighted in what we do next term. Uh, perhaps God's been speaking to some about choosing to believe God will be good to you each day. How many felt like, like God's challenging you over that, believing in the goodness of God? Just raise your hand on many people. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. How many people God was speaking to you about forming relationships, friendships that will encourage you? Instead of complaining about being alone, you actually take some initiative and build some relationships. Just put your hand up that you. A number of people. And one place to start a small group. Great place to go. Well, here we are. We're going to open the altar today. If it's you today and God has just challenged you about getting up again. You got knocked over by an offense. You got fell over. You got tripped up. You tripped yourself up. Or something happened that just came out of the blue and there you are on your face. You say, God, I want to get back up. I want to get back walking with you as I once walked with you. If that's you, make your way out of your seat. Come to the front right now. Please come. Please come. I believe God wants to touch many of you today. Please come. Just come. I know there's a number of people God's speaking to about that today. Please come. Just come. Just come. Get up again. Get up again. 